everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Voices of E-Learning supported by MarketScale. I am your podcast host, Lena Marie Sale, the EdTech Guru. On today's episode, we are joined by a very unique guest, a bit outside of our normal Voices of E-Learning guests. However, I'm very excited to share our guest's journey with you today, and I think you'll want to tune in and turn the volume up. Let me start off by sharing a bit about today's guest. Something that's really profound when I first spoke with this guest offline was that this guest is still in high school. That's right. Our guest today is in high school. Our guest today is Seth Raphael. He is a programmer and entrepreneur and best of all, the founder of LinkJoin. In our episode today, we are going to focus on how Seth got his start and what he has learned about e-learning in the last few years. LinkJoin which Seth is the founder of and creator, helps you join meetings at exactly the right time, even when you forget. So Seth, let's go ahead and kick off today's episode by letting you tell us a little bit about your backstory and a little bit about LinkJoin. Okay. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me here. This is going to be really fun. And now about LinkJoin. So it started off with me in virtual learning. So eighth grade, height of the COVID pandemic, We are all stuck inside. And I was having a problem of being consistently late to my classes. I would just forget to join my classes. And I was annoyed about this. We had this weird seven-minute break period in between our classes, which is not enough time to go do something else, but just enough time to forget to join your next class and get lost doing something on the computer. So I created LinkJoin. It started off as a simple program on my computer where I just put in my meeting links, put in the times and the days, and it automatically opened it. And it was great. It worked really well. I was not late at all for the rest of the year, but I wanted to share it with my friends. So I tried just sending my code to them via text message, and it did not work because they had to then run it on their computer, copy paste it. There were errors. It was annoying. And I had been taking a class on web development. So I decided to try making my first website and putting it to use like this. So I created LinkJoin. It was very bare bones, didn't have much flourish to it. Just plain white page, you put in your links and it automatically opened them. But I wanted to expand on it. I wanted everyone to be able to use this and I wanted it to look good. So I made it into a real website and it eventually got to where it is today. So do you still have a lot of your friends using LinkJoin? Not as much because it was very useful during virtual education, of course, but now all of me and my friends are back in person. Mm -hmm. So they don't have as many virtual meetings, although I still do because I do online tutoring and different meetings and I can put all of them in my LinkJoin and keep track of them. So cool. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, obviously we know why you started LinkJoin, but I think what was really unique when you and I were speaking before is just telling you were sharing your process about how you went about even creating LinkJoin. Most people might think that Seth's family are programmers. So that was the first question that I asked. And so I'm going to let him share a little bit about how he even learned how to even create this amazing product and some of the different things that he did throughout that process. So my programming journey, I guess, started pretty early. I was enrolled in a bunch of different camps over the summer. I was a very active kiddo. Had a lot of things that I wanted to do. We were trying to figure out what I liked. So I got enrolled in some of these coding classes. And they were fun. I would do them for about a week. 
I would make something and then I would not continue coding. So I just did this summer after summer after summer. And what finally kickstarted it was in seventh grade. I was in PE and I broke my finger, which may seem unrelated, but bear with me. So now that I had my finger broken, I couldn't write very well because I broke the finger on my right hand. And so I got a computer in school. And since I had this computer, I was boarding class because I would finish my assignments a bit early and have nothing else to do. So I decided, hey, why not try and recall some of this knowledge from my years of classes that I barely remember and try and make something? So I pulled up the computer. I opened an online code editor and I just tried to make a program. And it was actually fun. I started off very simple, just very basic things that didn't really do much. And I really liked it. So I asked my parents if I could enroll in a real coding course. And they said yes. And over the long, boring summer of 2020, (laughs) when there was not much else to do, school was technically still in session, although we just had asynchronous work. And I enrolled in this Python course, and I really loved it because it, what's the word, it actually kept me intrigued Mm -hmm. and I was interested and I had a lot of time to work on it. So in a way, the pandemic really fostered my learning of coding. And I just kept going with it. I kept learning more things about Python, which is the language that I used, and kept expanding. And then finally, I got to the point where I wanted to really put it to use by making LinkJoin. Which I think is what makes your story so unique is that you learned all of this really asynchronously figuring it out. When you started to create LinkJoin itself, did you find that you had any failures? Were there anything that kind of created hiccups for you when you were kind of creating it? So first big failure of LinkJoin was that I really sucked at making websites. It was really my first website that I'd made. And I had really no knowledge of JavaScript, which is a language that you use to make things happen on the web. So I needed to learn a lot of that. And I had to learn it just through Google because I didn't feel like taking another course at that point. And I had a friend that also did coding that was helping me through it. And finally, I got a website that was, you know, up and working. And I tried to design a user interface. So keep in mind, I had never designed a user interface before. It was my first experience. And I tried to make one and it really, really sucked. It looked so awful. And I shared it in a server on something called Discord, which is a chat platform. And I was like, hey, here's my designs. What do you think? And someone sent me a message. They said, yeah, it, it's not good. And they said, would you like me to design a website for you. Do you want me to show you a mock-up of how it can look? And I said, no, it's okay. I think I can do it. And then they sent me these designs that they had already been working on without my knowledge. And I was just blown away. It was, these designs were really, really good. And I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. Can I use these? And they said, yeah, of course. So my first failure really turned into a success because I got Mm -hmm. these designs that I have kept using and modified and made better, but those were the core designs of LinkJoin. So failure made success. Yeah, exactly. And this other person that you were communicating with, it was another high schooler, correct? Yes, it was another student. I believe they were in 10th or 11th grade in India, of all places. 
Very cool. That's such a, like a unique journey. I think being able to, well, one know that you need some help. So calling out for help, that's always like a big deal for people to be able to, you know, ask for help when you need it. And then also to be able to put your code out there and have it to be, you know, have it be critiqued and then also to collaborate with somebody else in order to create something that you're looking for. So I think that's, those are all really important pieces. Now, a question for you is, has anything that you've done from link join helped you with like management or anything? Have you taken any of those processes and brought it into your regular learning that you're doing every single day? Well, link join has been in my uh, regular daily life for a while now. I've been working on it and more importantly, I've been using it because what's really cool is that I use my product a lot. And what's unique about that is that I can see things in it that I'm like, oh, I kind of want to have this and then I can add it, which is just so awesome because it's a product that I genuinely like using and that I can always improve and get feedback on and make better. So link join has impacted my life like that. And I think that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And I think it's cool when you have a product that you've what we call bootstrapping and created yourself. And then you have the ability to iterate and change things when you know that they're not working correctly, or you're like, Oh, this is something that I wish that was there. And then you hustle and you create it and you kind of work through anything that's there. Um, do you have a lot of users using link join right now? I don't have as many as I would like. I have maybe 600 odd people signed up but not very many use it. Those are just people that have signed up. They've put their emails in, things like that. But I don't have very many users. Okay, but that's that's pretty good for having 600 people signing up because how have you been communicating about LinkJoin itself? I've been trying to spread it via Discord and also on LinkedIn. I've been doing a lot of networking, reaching out to people, trying to really get it out there. And I'm going to soon have a meeting with someone from my school district who works in the virtual division and I'm trying to get it out there to them. That's very amazing to be able to have that skill set. I think a lot of people over the pandemic were looking to be able to network and communicate with other people and to see that you were able to do this while you're still, you know, a student, even adults don't do this well. So I think it's really great and very, very impressive that you were able to create this. Do you have like a ultimate goal for where you would like to see link join be in the next few years? What I would love for link join is for it to just be a gold standard for meetings. Like you make a meeting and you just, without thinking about it, it gets added to your link join and it'll just automatically open. There's no need to ever lose track of a link or be late to a meeting other than external circumstances. But on your computer, you can just always have your meetings opening at the right time. And that's where I see this going. I see people using link join and really never being late again. Which I think is it's very, it's very cool where the product is heading. And I think a lot of people, if you haven't checked it out, definitely sign up for link join itself. We'll definitely be linking any of these things in the resources notes as well. As far as your collaboration, things that you've shared out on discord. So you're getting feedback from discord. Have you had anyone that have you've collaborated with outside of the student that you worked with that created your website? Have you collaborated with anyone else like on the platform itself? I haven't directly collaborated with anyone, but I've definitely received feedback. Some of the, uh, besides that initial feedback on the design and the collaboration, I received a lot about making it responsive. 
So that means changing uh, size with the device. So it worked on my computer, but then on big screens and small screens, it completely failed. So I got a lot of tips on how to do that. And I had to learn more to make it work. Uh, but eventually I did get it to work. And then also just about security things. One of the big no-nos in, you know, in security is storing passwords in plain text, mm -hmm. which is a very bad thing to do because anyone gets into your database, they can see all of the passwords that are there, get everyone's password. It is a big mess. So that was very important feedback. I'm obviously not doing that anymore. So yeah, I've received just a lot of small feedback and large feedback, but no other direct collaboration. Okay. That's great though. So you're, so you're doing a lot of iterating by sharing out what you currently have and then receiving feedback that way. Since you don't have a big team of developers working with you or graphic designers, it's really cool to see you leveraging that different strategy that I think more people can take away knowing that you can create something. So you didn't really, you don't have you're not a developer, like you didn't go to school, you haven't been developing for years, you created a product that you found you needed a solution to, and then you took to finding different ways in which that you could create the product, one, and then two, receive feedback that most team, most people have teams of people that are sitting with them doing these, these coding, you know, challenges and creating coding, the code behind the scenes. So I think it's really cool to see that you're doing that on discord and that you're receiving feedback and then iterating as it goes. Do you have any suggestions for someone who is, you know, student or even someone who's really ready to take a leap and create something new? Do you have any suggestions for um, them about the process? I'd say just do whatever it takes to get it out there because the worst thing that can happen if you try and get your product out there is it fails and nothing comes of it. But the uh, benefits of doing it, the good outcome is that it's wildly successful. People love it and you get a career or a job out of it, which is really cool. And the risks way underweigh the benefits. The benefits are just much more prevalent there. Mm -hmm. So it's just important to get it out there to try it out. And if it fails, it fails, but if it succeeds, that's amazing. Yeah. And I think that's, I think what you're saying is really great too, is that when you put the product out for the first time, it wasn't at probably where you wanted it to be, but having something out there is better than having nothing. Right. I always say that it's always better to have something than to have nothing. And then you can kind of iterate from there. And I think that, you know, there no matter what you put yourself out there in an uncomfortable situation. So that's really cool to see. Um, so let's kind of shift gears just like a little bit. So obviously you're still in school. So you've been, you know, prior to the pandemic, most of your schooling takes place in person, right? But you've been taking obviously a lot of courses and doing a lot of, even now you said you're still doing some like online tutoring and different things like that. So how do you feel being a student how do you feel like the e-learning and learning has changed over the last like year, you know, pre-pandemic to now? So e-learning is a lot more popular. Before this, people just went to school, toughed it out, even if they suffered there, even if they were experiencing bullying, things like that. They just had to tough it out because e-learning wasn't really a popular option. But now it is. All these tools are being developed to make it more streamlined and easy. 
And people are realizing I can do this. Even if I don't have a good experience in school, maybe you're socially awkward or have a disability or something. It's a great thing to have right there that you can just default to if in-person isn't working for you. So it's great to see all these innovations and things come to life and really help out. And I would say just speaking to what we were discussing offline, we were just talking about how the structure of classes really haven't changed so much, but I think what e-learning, correct me if I'm wrong, but if what e-learning has been able to do is that if you're not feeling so challenged, maybe in school, then it gives you some other opportunities for learning to occur than it would have been like the traditional norm like what you were saying, e-learning wasn't so popular or the correct, you know, or the most popular route to go, but it's becoming a different way, a different avenue in which you can learn things. Yeah. Asynchronous courses and things like that have always existed, but now they're just becoming so much more popular because you don't have to dedicate a ton of time to it. You can just do it whenever you want and uh, you can progress at your own pace and it works. Like that first Python class that I did, that was asynchronous. It was completely on a website that I learned from. There were video lectures, but it was all just me learning. And I think that's a great thing to be able to do. Mm -hmm. I agree. Do you ever take some of those strategies that you've learned from creating LinkJoin and share them with your teachers, like suggesting different ways to do different things in the classroom? I think that would be interpreted as insubordination. Mm -hmm. They would be a little miffed that I tried to tell them how to run their classroom. Mm -hmm. But if anyone asks, I'm happy to share. Yeah. But what about if you have like a project or something? Do you ever bring it to them and say, hey, do you think I can create it this way? Yeah, I'll definitely take feedback on them. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I try and go outside the box a bit, try and make things unique. Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, I had a science project where it wasn't really science related. It was just in my science class where we had an about me mm-hmm. and uh, you had the option of doing it on paper or giving a presentation or something like that. And I was like, Hey, can I make a website for it? And my teacher said, yes. So I did that. And that was fun. Okay. Very cool. So you're still advocating for yourself, even in your classroom when, when you're not. Obviously, we've talked about how things have changed from the post-pandemic to now. Do you feel like your classes overall in the last, obviously now you're finally back in school and on site, but do you feel like your classroom has experienced any changes since the pandemic or do you feel like it still seems sort of the same as it did before? Well, we obviously wear masks. That's a big thing. (laughs) And especially in PE, that's inconvenient Mm because sometimes it is legitimately hard to breathe when you're exercising. But the classrooms are mainly the same. Mm-hmm. Last year, I think, they when they were coming back to school, they were cramped for classrooms. They had to share sometimes. It was not a great system because they had to spread the kids out so much. No mm-hmm. one was vaccinated or anything. Yep. Now it's a lot more normal. The classrooms are mainly the same. There's still a piece of cheese stuck to the window of my math classroom. Been there for who knows how long. So gross. I, <laughs> I thought they were making things cleaner. (laughs) I think it's a bit of a relic. It's an artifact that's going to stay there. Has to stay forever for an eternity of time. You go back in 10 years and it's still there. Exactly. Um, That's great. So as far as your, your journey, so obviously we've seen things change and you've been able to create your product and those types of things, but where do you think education will be heading in the next five years? 
I think that our current education system is in some ways flawed, but it's, it's improving. Um, I personally, this learning model in person and just being social, that really works for me. But I think we're going to see a lot more hybrid options be opening up as people get reorganized and regroup and figure out what works best for them. Hybrid learning is, it's a cool concept, but it definitely needs a lot of tweaking. Like uh, having half the people in a classroom have to be virtual, that I don't think is going to work because you just can't teach in two different mediums like that. But say halftime, things like that, that I think is going to become more streamlined, more popular, and we'll see where it heads. This is not typically how I end our interviews, but since you're still in high school, And since learning has changed so much from most people, usually when you graduate, like myself, you go straight to college. What are your goals for yourself when you leave the K-12 system? I think college is the way to go for me. I want to go to a good college. Maybe, I don't know what I'll major in yet. Hopefully something in computer science or coding. But I have a lot of other interests too. Mm -hmm. So we'll see where it takes me. I hope that LinkJoin takes off and that I can make a business out of it and have it be really successful. But if it doesn't, it's great experience. And I've learned a lot from doing it. And I'll just keep going and see what comes next. Love that. Um, I think, Seth, I want to thank you so much for taking your time with us today. I think that you've shared a lot of great positives and just some different things that you've been able to achieve that I think even a more veteran person in the space, or even a younger student can, you know, a younger person can take away from what you've been able to accomplish and what you've been able to do. And we hope you have nothing but success with link join. So again, I want to thank you so much for joining today's episode of the voices of e-learning supported by market scale. Be sure to check us out on any of your favorite podcast streaming services, or find all of our episodes on the market scale website. We'll link where you can find more information about Seth below in the show notes and the work that he's doing. Don't forget to join us for future interviews or check out any of our past podcasts. Thank you so much. And don't forget to always keep learning.